What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. Let's go, baby! Let's go, baby! Guys, guys, guys! Oh my gosh! You could, he- I'm sure you, you could probably hear the smile through the through the freaking audio. Oh my freaking gosh! We pulled it out. We freaking pulled it out. I'm so so stoked. Oh my guys, you have no idea. So obviously, I just played you guys. That was me yesterday. I'm surprised that I can even talk right now because honestly, last night, so I'm recording this on Monday, last night, I could barely talk at the end of the day. I was screaming my lungs out. My Tampa Bay Buccaneers pulled it out, baby. And uh, I was, I'm not going to lie. Some people probably think I'm a lunatic. I was running through the streets in the neighborhood. Um, and here's a, here's a clip of that too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was hyped. I'm still hyped. I've been smiling all day. It's about to be the best week of my life because you guys got to remember, I'm a youngin. I'm only 22. I did not get to experience the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs, especially a playoff win. I mean, the last time the Bucs were in the playoffs was 2007, right? That was a long time ago. I was not even really watching football like that back then, and then... 2002-2003 season when we won the Super Bowl, I was like four years old, three years old. I had no idea what was going on. So I've never seen my Bucks in the playoffs, and I've been waiting for this my whole life. So you guys are not going to hear the end of the Bucks stuff, the Bucks love from me. But uh, with that said, I, I mean, I can't just completely take over, right? I can't take over the, the fantasy podcast and turn it into a Bucks podcast, even though that sounds like um, an amazing time for me. But uh <laughs> we need to we need to finish out these receivers, right? These dynasty receivers. But before we do so, I do want to talk about the Chargers' decision to hire defensive coordinator Brandon Staley to be their head coach, who was just with the Rams under Sean McVay. And there's a problem with this. And look, the problem is not. This is more of a fantasy problem, a fantasy football problem. It's not necessarily a problem for the Chargers team. It can be, but. It's definitely a much bigger problem for fantasy purposes. So let's talk about why. I, I can't take full credit for this thought, right? I can't act like I just thought about this. I, I was hearing John Middlecoff talk about it. So I'm kind of reiterating what he said because I completely agree. He was talking about and pointing out how, let's look at all the head coach candidates, right? Who are all the guys we were talking about? Arthur Brown, offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator. Uh, Brian Dabble offensive coordinator 
all of these guys, Joe Brady, offensive coordinator, all of these guys that are viewed as like, you know, these head coach candidates that we all loved were offensive coordinators. Now, yes, Staley is a defensive coordinator, got a job. Yes, Sala was a defensive coordinator and got a job. But the thing is, is we know teams are looking for the next Sean McVay, the next Kyle Shanahan, the next young coach that they can have for a while that brings a fresh look and a good offense, right? That's what teams want. That's what teams are looking for. So the problem here with hiring a defensive coordinator to be your head coach is this. When you have an Eric Bieniemy, oh, there's another one. I don't even think I said him. Uh, when you have an Eric Bieniemy or a Brian Dable or Arthur Brown or Joe Brady, when you have these guys and they're good, guess what? They're walking out the door. They're leaving. They're going to get a head coach job sooner or later. Now, when you have a really good defensive coordinator, and remember we're talking about fantasy, but I'm also just talking NFL in general. When you have a really good defensive coordinator, they're not always necessarily walking out the door. Todd Bowles might not be walking out the door for the Bucks. I hope he is not, and it doesn't seem like he will be. But, you know, he's not walking out the door because he's a defensive guy. If his level of success on the Bucks' defense was equatable to, you know, success on the offensive side, then he would have gotten hired for sure. Um, but he, he didn't, you know, because he's a defensive guy. So it just is something to consider because the Chargers now... They have no shot at Bienemy. They have no shot at Brown. They have no shot at any of these offensive coordinators because they're not going to leave their team to be an offensive coordinator for another team. That makes no sense. They're only going to leave for an upgrade, for a position promotion. So with the head coaching spot filled now, the Chargers are going to be taking more of a shot in the dark at offensive coordinator. It's going to be harder for them to find an offensive mind now because their head coach positions already filled. Also, let's say they do find the next guy, the new, you know, up and coming coach that has a great offense. All right, cool. He's going to be there for a season or maybe two seasons. And then he's going to get a head coaching job and boom, all over again, they're trying to find somebody for Justin Herbert. If they hired one of these guys as their head coach, then that person would not leave and they would have a good offense for a extended period of time. That's the problem for me. It's because of the rotating door at offensive coordinator if you have a good one. Also, guys, I just got in some shirts. I was telling you guys how um, I couldn't get them because I had to get like a bulk crazy order. Um, but my dad actually got me some for Christmas and I forgot to tell you guys about it. So I have larges and extra larges. It has the logo on the front and like the left chest and then the logo spanning across your whole back on the back of the shirt. They're long sleeve. They're white logo's black so if you have any interest hit me up i'll probably get some uh professional pictures done soon here and then get them put on the website under the merch section as well but um yeah we got shirts in i also got black beanies in with white stitching and then i got one question and then we will finally get into the receivers sorry i know i'm taking a while guys dustin asks where does i really like this question where does Allen robinson land and who is the quarterback for chicago next year let's start with the easy part of the question I think Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback next year for the Bears because of two reasons. One, he's still on his rookie contract, and two, they don't have an opportunity to replace him. They are not going to really be able to sign anyone in free agency. They're not going to be able to trade for something. I mean, maybe they trade for like Watson or something, but I don't think that's the best move because they're still so many pieces away on offense. So even if they brought in Watson and they're losing A-Rob, right, 
because I, I doubt he would I doubt he's resigning but maybe he resigns if Watson I, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here though but anyways um the the Bears are probably not gonna be able to bring in a quarterback they're definitely not gonna be able to draft one because they're picking way too far out I doubt they're gonna trade up just like they did for Trubisky you know a few years after the trade up for Trubisky I doubt that's gonna happen so I'm sure Mitch will be the starting quarterback next year for the Bears. Now, the real question is, where does Allen Robinson land? And I have, I've nailed it down or narrowed it down to four teams. I've got Miami, Baltimore, Indy, and New York, the New York Jets. So let's look at the cap space. Miami right now has projected $26 million in cap, Baltimore 24, Indy 69, and the Jets 63. So if you just look at the cap, it's much more reasonable that Indy or the Jets would be able to pull in Allen Robinson. But here's a problem for me, and what I think Allen Robinson will view as a problem. Who's the quarterback? Indy, Philip Rivers might not be back, plus is Allen Robinson going to want to sign with Indy when he's had horrible quarterbacks his whole career and all he wants, I'm sure, is to play with a good quarterback? Is he going to sign up to do that in Indy for one year with Philip Rivers? Or if Philip Rivers doesn't resign, who knows what they're doing at quarterback? Who knows if they get Carson Wentz in a trade or Sam Darnold or somebody else? And who knows how he even views you know a Sam Darnold or a Carson Wentz with how they've played recently? So he might look at Indy, even though he would be an amazing addition to that team and very much help them, he might look at them and say, I'm not interested. He might look at the Jets and say, man, they might be keeping Darnold. I'm not interested. But then he looks at Miami and Baltimore. They have less cap space, so they might have to do a little, you know, more magic when it comes to the cap to be able to bring in Allen Robinson. But Miami has Tua, and maybe Allen Robinson looks at Tua as a promising young quarterback that is going to be more accurate than any quarterback he's ever played with. Maybe he looks at Baltimore and he sees Lamar Jackson. He's like, yeah, Lamar Jackson's going to, you know, I'm going to catch a lot of inaccurate targets every once in a while here and there but at least I know that's going to be a good offense I'm going to be in the playoffs consistently and you know I have a shot to help Lamar develop so I think he would be more likely to go to one of those two places obviously the better spot for him for fantasy purposes would be Miami um, I say obviously just because Miami's going to be throwing the ball way more than Baltimore and Baltimore not only doesn't throw the ball often but when they do throw the ball it's not always the most accurate so I think he would probably be better for fantasy purposes in Miami. But, you know, honestly, the best landing spot would be Indy if they figure out something at quarterback. But we have no idea what's going on there. So those are the four spots I could see him going. And I think it's more likely that he goes to either Miami or Baltimore. I definitely don't think he's going to stay in Chicago. Now we can get into the dynasty wide receiver rankings. I'm going to give you guys my top 18 real quick just so you guys know where we're at. Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams at five, DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Michael Thomas, Stephon Diggs at 10, Calvin Ridley, Juju Smith-Schuster, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, T. Higgins at 15, DJ Moore, Mike Evans, LaVisca Chenault, Tyler, oh, oh, sorry, ah, dang it, I already ruined it, yeah, LaVisca Chenault at 18, (laughs) so the first guy we're starting with is Tyler Boyd, you probably heard it coming through already, at 19, he's 26.2. And I think he's got probably about a good six seasons left. He runs in the slot. He actually had the third, fourth, fourth most snaps from the slot in the NFL at a rate of 76.6%. Many of you guys already know how underrated Boyd is because of my focus on him through the offseason, right? He's always criminally underrated. It's a consistent thing. And 
Since becoming a starter, his first two years as a starter, he finished as a top 18 wide receiver both times. This was his third season as a full-time starter, and he was wide receiver 12 before Joe Burrow got injured. So he's been a consistent top 18 wide receiver, and he is consistently ranked outside of the top 30 or 30 on the dot. And that's what it's looking like right now. I look at fantasy ECR consensus rankings for Dynasty, and Boyd's at like 33. So once again, Tyler Boyd is a value, guys. You got to think of that offense, right? I don't think that they're going to be bringing in another receiver that's of a high profile, either through free agency or through the draft. They have too many holes elsewhere. So I'm looking at that offense, and it's Joe Burrow. And you guys know I love Auden Tate, too. And I believe the Bengals organization does as well, which also leads me to believe they won't bring in another receiver. So you look at that offense, and you've got D. Higgins on the outside, Auden Tate on the outside, Tyler Boyd in the slot. You can basically cement it in like that. Sometimes they run a double slot. That's fine. So Tyler Boyd has a super, super locked-in, safe role in the offense that is not changing. Remember, fourth most snaps in the slot in the NFL. Slot receivers, guys, in fantasy football are extremely consistent, extremely reliable, especially when they're, you know, at that like that level of work, right? So not only that, not only is he secure in his position and has a young quarterback with him and he's still pretty young, he also doesn't have m- much tread taken off the tire, so he has a lot of tread left on his tires, but Boyd's touchdown potential will go up as that offense gets better. When they add O-linemen, which is inevitable in the offseason, either through the draft or through free agency, maybe even both, I would not be surprised. All of a sudden, their offense is going to be so much better, especially if Burrow starts in the beginning of the season, because they're going to be able to you know, sustain drives longer, be able to move down the field all the way into the red zone and finish drives with touchdowns. That's going to raise Boyd's touchdown potential. It's also going to you know, make it possible that he is just getting more targets because they're on the field more. Now, that's a tricky situation because their defense is so bad that, you know, the other teams would score fairly quickly and the Bengals ran a lot of pass plays. But that's another thing that's positive. The Bengals defense is so far away from being very good and like very far away from that. And if you take that into consideration, you're looking at a Bengals team that's passing the ball 600 times a year for the next three, four years, which is going to be amazing for Tyler Boyd. So, and also Tyler Boyd was Joe Burrows, and I was paying so much attention to this because you guys know Boyd was my guy. So I, I try to pay attention to as much as I can on every player I can, but the guys I plant my flags on, I really pay attention to because I want to know how right I was or how wrong I was. And with Boyd, he is definitely, in my mind, Joe Burrow's favorite target. Now, this could change to T. Higgins as T. Higgins gets better, which is fine by me. I have T. Higgins ranked higher than Tyler Boyd, also because of the youth. Um, and you guys know I think he's going to become like a Brandon Marshall type. He just needs to add some mass. But Tyler Boyd was the guy Joe Burrow went to on crucial downs. I'm talking third down, fourth down. Where was he looking? Tyler Boyd. On crucial drives, fourth quarter or two-minute drills before the half, and, you know, the fourth quarter drives to, like, try and win a game, where was Joe Burrow looking? Tyler Boyd. So this shows the trust Burrow has in him, and I think it shows the trust you should have in him for fantasy. Now, at wide receiver 20, we have, yeah, because that was Tyler Boyd at 19. At wide receiver 20, we have the guy we were just talking about, Allen Robinson, 27.4 in age. Um, I'm still doing the metric stuff, and you guys will see that in the article if you pull it up, but which I'll, I'll probably have by the time that you're listening to this up on the website. 
but he doesn't have anything either, just like Tyler Boyd, that really sticks out. And I'm just going to focus on things that stick out at this point. I think Allen Robinson probably has about four seasons left. He's got one last shot. He's got one contract. He's got one chance to find himself a legitimate offense with a legitimate quarterback. And, you know, we'll see what happens. And, and that's part of the risk here. That's part of the reason he's at 20. If he signed in an amazing situation, all right, maybe I'll bump him up. You know, 16, 15, possibly. But... We have no idea where he's signing, and some of the teams with the most cap space are not great landing spots for Allen Robinson. Now, the Jets could be if they draft Justin Fields, assuming the Jaguars go with Trevor Lawrence, or if they get Trevor Lawrence, either or, or Zach Wilson. I haven't really done my college football prospect like breakdowns and in-depth analysis yet, which is what we're going to be doing after we finish this like dynasty segment of rankings and mock draft and uh, bylaws and stuff. So pretty soon here, we'll get into the college prospects, but... Yeah, so Allen Robinson, he most of the places he's probably like most likely to go to are not going to be great for fantasy. So it's hard to rank him not knowing where he's going to be, but and he'll do good no matter what just because he's a good receiver and like look at what he just did with Chicago despite them being bad. But it's a matter of age and the fact that you know he probably doesn't have that many great options. That's why he's down here. Amari Cooper at 21. Some of you guys are probably like, dude, Brandon, are you serious? Amari Cooper's still young and he's great and he's been really good, even though like sometimes inconsistent, yada, yada, yada. All right. I understand that. He has been pretty good in fantasy, even with the target competition. He was Dak's favorite target and that offense was operating at an extremely high level. That's something you have to remember though, because let's say he's staying in Dallas for a certain amount of time, right? If he's in Dallas, then he has CeeDee Lamb. He has Michael Gallup. And is that offense going to be as good? Is it going to be sustainable what they were doing when Dak was healthy this season? Because he was on pace for, I believe, 6,000 yards. That's not going to keep up, you know? So with regression coming to that offense, even when Dak comes back, not, you know, how this year ended, but what they were on pace for when Dak was healthy, with regression coming to that Amari Cooper might not be as good anymore, especially if CeeDee Lamb starts to carve out more of a role. He's their youngest receiver. He's a first-round pick that they just invested a bunch of capital into. And then here's the other thing. All right, after next season, so I'm not talking about, you know, this offseason. I'm talking about next offseason. After the next season is over, the Cowboys can cut Amari Cooper, and it will only cost them $6 million in dead cap space, or they can keep him for a much worse $22.5 million cap hit. That is a, what, 18, 16. That's a $16 million difference. And we know the Cowboys are struggling with cap space. That's why they have not signed Dak Prescott. They, They only have about $22 million in cap space right now. And Dak Prescott's not signed. So when they sign Prescott, they're going to have to make some changes. And if not this year, then next year for sure. So Amari Cooper is a cut candidate after this year. And maybe he gets traded, but the contract would probably make it pretty difficult to trade him. So these are things that worry me. And, you know, he's not like crazy young anymore. He's 26.6. So he's not like, you know, a, a young like rookie or sophomore. So that's part of the reason that he's this low for me. And if you want to move him higher, I I don't blame you because he's a talented guy. Deontay Johnson comes in at 22 for me. He's 24.2. He's probably got about seven seasons left. At first glance, Deontay Johnson might seem like an easy player for us to project for an improvement in fantasy. Why? Well, Juju's likely to sign somewhere else. 
which means Deontay Johnson should get more targets. But it's really not that simple if you think about it because dump off DJ, that's what I'm going to call him, because, I mean, that's what he was for Big Ben. Not That's not an indictment on his skills at all. But dump off DJ, he gets crazy targets because Big Ben couldn't push the ball deep downfield. And the Steelers couldn't run the ball, so they also had to throw the ball 600 times. If they all of a sudden get a running back in this class or somehow get somebody for cheap like maybe a Gus Edwards in free agency because they're, they're not really going to have money to sign somebody like an Aaron Jones. But if they get like a Gus Edwards or somebody like that, that can be very effective for them behind what's still a pretty decent offensive line there. All of a sudden, they have a good defense. Their run game is better. They're not throwing the ball 600 times. Plus, if Big Ben's not there and they don't have to dump it off all the time, Deontay Johnson's not getting all these, you know, little dink and dunk receptions. So, you know, and I am confident that they bring in a stud running back and fix that run game. That's something I do think is going to happen for sure. So could Deontay Johnson get better from his 88 receptions, 924 yards and seven touchdown season? He could for sure, but he could also get worse possibly. So there's a lot of questions here. I'm not, you know, planting a flag on whether he's going to be worse or better. I'm just showing a different range of outcomes, you know, and the other side of it that could make him a lot better because I do like Deontay Johnson for Dynasty. The thing that can make him a lot better is, yeah, Juju leaves, which I think is like 90% chance that that happens. Juju signs somewhere else and Deontay Johnson, you know, is not just a dink and dunk guy and he he gets a lot more yards per reception. He's way more efficient per yard, uh, per target and his yards per route run go up and all of these things lead to an improvement for Deontay Johnson. That could definitely happen too, but there's a lot of questions and we don't even know if, you know, Big Ben is going to have a good successor because we've gotten the report that Big Ben is going to be back next year. He's going to finish his contract. He's got one year left, but we have no idea what they're going to be able to do after that. And if they take one of these quarterbacks like a Mac Jones or something, that's one person that like I said, I haven't done much college football stuff, but just watching the few games I've seen Mac Jones, to me, he seems like the pro- a product of Alabama. He, he seems like you could put Kyle Trask or any of the other quarterbacks, the other later quarterbacks in this draft class, you could have put them in Alabama and they would have done just as good. Because I, I, I never saw Mac Jones make a play, and this might change when I do more research, but I never saw Mac Jones make a play that wasn't there. He, to me, was just throwing to the open guy. And, you know, he was just taking what the defense gave him. And the defense versus Alabama is always giving you something. So, you know, if they if they go that route and grab, like, one of these later quarterbacks, like a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trask or whatever, I would be pretty worried. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But that's, that's my worries with Deontay Johnson. But he definitely has upside. Kenny Galladay comes in at 23 for me, guys. There's so many good receivers now. It's ridiculous. There's so many good receivers. He's 27.2. He uh, wasn't t- too great in um, in any of the metrics, except for, I, I guess he was, he was good, actually, with yards per route. That's 2.35. I'm taking his metrics from 2019 because, you know, we, he only played a couple games this year, so it wouldn't be fair to grade him off that. So last year, he had 2.35 yards per route run. That was pretty good remember over two is good and then he had a 54.2 percent contested catch rate that that would be okay this year but it's it was actually seventh highest last year because everyone's numbers in that category were a lot lower last year so when you're looking at the metrics if you pull up the article and whatnot and you look at the other metrics that i have in there for him 
it's going to seem a little weird in comparison to how the numbers would stack up this year because like everything changes year to year. But Galladay is someone that we already have a good understanding on, right? We, we already know that he's a good receiver. So we don't have to look too much into numbers like that. The numbers are, are more helpful for me, in my opinion, for young guys that we're still trying to figure out and feel out. So he creates little separation, right? But he's a beast. He's a beast at winning balls, being a deep threat, a big threat that has plus athleticism. He can, you know, create so many problems for defenses because of his size and catching ability. So the only problem for me, aside from his age, that he's already 27.2, is he has not really had a true dominant season. And I feel like nobody talks about this because everyone loves Kenny Galladay. Like, I feel like Kenny Galladay is like fantasy Twitter's darling. Like, everyone loves him, right? But really, when you look at what he's done, his best season to date, I want you to, to think of a reception number in your head, right? And, and try to take out the part that you know it's going to be lower than what you would guess because of where I'm going with this conversation. And just like, you know, be fair and act like you didn't know that already. And just think about what reception number you think he would have had, right, in his best season. Because the way he's he's treated, you would think he's been insane. His best season to date is 65 receptions. Now, it was 1190 yards. Okay, that's all right. There are plenty of receivers that get to that. Michael Gallup did that two years ago. And 11 touchdowns. So the touchdowns were there, but uh, like outside of the touchdowns, people act like Kenny Galladay has had like a 1,480 reception season, 1,400 yards, 80 receptions. And maybe he has a stud year in the future, but he's also a free agent who also has questions of who's going to be throwing him the ball. What's his role going to be in the offense? And there's a lot of good receivers now, like I said. So with him being older, being a free agent, and also not having a dominant season yet, that's why he's down here for me. DJ Chark comes in at 24. He's 24.3. Nothing crazy with the metrics. I think he's got about six seasons left. By the way, going back to Galladay, I think he's probably got about three left. Um, DJ Chark is in the same situation team-wise as LaVisca Chenault. So why would I have him this low, right? If I have LaVisca Chenault at 18, then why is DJ Chark at 24? Well, you guys already know, I think LaVisca Chenault is the number one receiver. And for me, not only is he the number one receiver, or will become the number one receiver, but he's the possession receiver. And he's also younger, and we're talking dynasty, so that matters a little bit too. DJ Chark, he's going to be a great deep threat. He's going to be a great number two wide receiver. So we remember, we had um, we had dump off DJ with Deontay Johnson, DJ, and now we have deep threat DJ with DJ Chark. He is you know, going to be a great number two wide receiver for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, probably Trevor Lawrence. And it's going to be a high-volume offense, so I, I do like him. I like him a lot, but, you know, I don't think he's going to get, like, crazy volume. Some people might think he's going to be a, you know, I don't know, 85 reception guy. I, I don't see that. I think that's more possible for LaVisca Chenault. I think the best way to use Chark, because LaVisca is that, you know, guy that you can use all over the field, I think the best way to use Chark is to use him on the outside, taking corners deep, running in the middle of the field, you know, don't use him as like your chain mover. So that's the difference for me in Chark. But if you like Chark way more than LaVisca, I mean, I caution against it. But if that's the case, then yeah, you can definitely move up Chark in your own mind. And um, we already just, we already established in the deep dive DJ Chark episode with him and Jerry Judy that his struggles this year were due to quarterback play. So we don't need to worry about that. Jerry Judy comes in at 25. It's funny we're just talking about him. 21.7. I believe he's the youngest rookie receiver in this class. 
Um, and not anything crazy in terms of numbers. He's probably got about nine seasons left. That's a big deal, right? Like I, I might take Jerry Judy if I'm on the clock over DJ Chark, but Jerry Judy has his own questions. And to me, it's not talent related. It's obviously not youth related. Instead, it's situation related. Tim Patrick showed to be pretty capable. Sutton will be back. And Hamler is good enough to garner a role in that offense. So they have a lot of weapons, a lot. And I didn't even mention Noah Fant. So they have Patrick, Sutton, Hamler, Fant, Judy. That's five options in a Broncos offense with questionable quarterback play, right? We have no idea. I I think Locke is going to be back next year. They'll give him another shot, but we'll see what happens after that, if he's going to be good or not. And they have a great defense when their defense is healthy. They're a sneaky team to be really good. They really are, but they're not going to be a team that's really good by throwing the ball for 5,000 yards and, you know, 40 touchdown passes. And with as many options as there is in that offense, with as many threats there is in that offense, you need numbers like that if you're going to be super confident in Jerry Judy. Now, he could definitely be like a wide receiver too consistent for fantasy over the next couple years. And then if Sutton's gone, boom, he could skyrocket into wide receiver one territory. But it's also possible he's going to be flex at best for the next couple years so that's the problem for me with Judy I do believe in his talent though and I am I think he's going to improve he's going to be a great wide receiver for that team it's just not always translatable to fantasy success now we have Brandon Ayuk at 26 he's 22.9 nothing crazy metrics wise he's probably got about eight seasons left in my opinion I was wrong on this guy a man with my own name Brandon Brandon Ayuk, a man with my own name. I was wrong, and I'm not afraid to admit my miss. Um, in college, he, to me, just so you guys know where I was at, in college, he seemed to me like a fast guy that wasn't really good at anything else except being fast and getting yards after the catch. He landed in a perfect spot with Kyle Shanahan. You guys have heard me say it before, who's a great offensive mind. And I initially actually, I actually moved him up. Um, I had him in like the 30s, but I moved him up. I, I was initially worried about the offense the role, the fact that their defense is good, the fact that Kyle Shanahan likes to pound the ball and with the run game, and he has not really been on the field with Kittle and Debo fully healthy, and what would his role look like? There was a lot of questions for me there. But now, I, the more I thought about it, I had to switch my gear. And guys, pay attention to this next part, because I really think the 49ers, I, and I don't fault people for thinking this, because I was thinking this like just a couple days ago. I think a lot of people look at the 49ers, and they see you know, a good amount of weapons now, but they see Garoppolo, who's meh, and they see Kyle Shanahan, who loves to run the ball and not pass the ball that much. The 49ers have passed on an average of like 30 attempts per season for the last two seasons or whatever, and that's not good. That's that's really bad for fantasy purposes. So a lot of people look at that team and they're like, eh, it's not going to be that great offensively for fantasy, except for maybe a running back if they, you know, spend high capital on a running back or something. But to me, I'm looking at that team, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm pr- I'm firmly in the camp that believes San Fran is moving off Garoppolo. I do not think Garoppolo is going to be their starter next year. I-, I really do not. And if he is, I think that means that there's somebody sitting behind him that's not on the roster right now that they brought in to sit for a year and then will take over. So, Garoppolo is not the answer there. I think they know it. We know it. And I think that that situation is going to work out itself. So we might have a new quarterback, right? You guys know I I was like entertaining the idea of Matt Ryan if 
And, and honestly, Deshaun Watson is now in the, the sweepstake because the Texans don't want him in the AFC. If they're going to trade him and he's not even answering phone calls from them right now, like he's not playing for them. I do not see him playing for them. So if they're going to trade him, they're going to trade him to an NFC team. And let's look at the NFC teams, right? You got to think of a lot of things. You got to think of cap space. You got to think of offensive weapons. You got to think of organization history like Deshaun Watson. He was trying to get Eric Bieniemy interviewed, who's a black head coach, and he didn't even get the interview. Now the Texans are apparently considering him. That's ridiculous because a report before, like two hours before that report came out saying that this is the most undesirable head coaching job in how long with what the Texans have done to their roster and the owner and everything. And that was a pull from coaches. And then all of a sudden, oh, now we'll consider Eric Bieniemy. Like, Deshaun Watson has every right to be furious with them. I don't think he's going to play. So they're going to have to trade him to an FC team. But like, for example, when I'm talking about the owner and the reason I brought up the black head coach thing is because, you know, the, for example, the Washington Redskins, or not Redskins, the Washington football team, they could have been a possible landing spot, but then you think about their owner and all the things that have happened and the allegations, and Deshaun Watson probably doesn't want to go to that, right? You think about a team like Chicago who needs a quarterback. He's not liking that offense. You think he wants to go there? No. And he has to waive the no-trade clause, so he gets to choose where he goes. The 49ers, though, with Kyle Shanahan, that's definitely possible. And you guys know, like I, I was saying earlier, I also like the idea of if Atlanta takes quarterback at four, which I think they should and will— especially with Arthur Brown, you know, I think he might roll with Matt Ryan for maybe a year and then trade him away. But I still think that he's going to take a rookie quarterback in this class, either Zach Wilson or Trey Lance at four and let him develop for Matt Ryan behind it, uh, behind Matt Ryan for a year and then trade Matt Ryan maybe to San Francisco. So no matter what happens, I don't see Garoppolo being there. So that's already boom one upgrade. Now you also have to think Salah's gone. He He's gone and that defense is going to lose some pieces. And a lot of that defense is kind of older. Not a lot, but a good amount of the defenders on that team that are really good, that have been impactful, are a little bit older. So that defense could see a stark drop. If that defense sees a stark drop and there's a new quarterback in San Francisco, guys, that offense is going to all of a sudden be a very good offense for fantasy. Ayuk will be good. Debo will be good. Kittle will be insane. Because remember what the Falcons were when Kyle Shanahan was there. It could be very similar. So... That's why I like Brandon Ayuk, uh, you know, because he's he's been used very well. He's better than I, I thought he was going to be in the NFL already. So you, I got to, you know, accept the miss, take it on the chin and uh, move forward. You got to be fluid in fantasy. That's what I'm doing here. Brandon Ayuk is my wide receiver 26 in Dynasty, and we will get to wide receiver 27 right after this. What's up, divers? Do you enjoy a good workout like me? Do you grind in the gym trying to get built? If so, then you probably know working out is only half the battle with the other half being nutrition. Well, luckily, you can go to BuiltBar.com and get protein bars, 100% daily vitamin packs that mix into your water. I use that all the time. Tastes great. You can get caffeine and protein mixed into one as a pre-workout gel pack. And all of these things help you turn your hard work in the gym into visible results. I use these products myself and they are great. And I also have a promo code that helps both of us save 10% off with Deep Dive. That's Deep Dive to save 10% off at BuiltBar.com and on any of their products. And my favorite energy protein pack flavor, 
By the way, if you want to go that route, is the peanut butter honey. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here. That's right. Pause it right here and drop me a rating or review. And if you are feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. All right, guys, welcome back. Wide receiver 27, Will Fuller 26.8, no outstanding metrics. Uh, He was really good in yards per route, though, 2.36, 11th best this season. I think he's got about four seasons left. Will Fuller, when we look at him, like many of these wide receivers, as of like the recent guys we've talked about, he's probably got one good contract left in him, right? He definitely has health concerns. He misses about just actually just over, not about just over five games a season on average. But when he is playing, he's been great. I don't think he will sign in Houston for a multitude of reasons, one of them being cap space and the other being turmoil in the organization and the other being that Watson's probably leaving so my dream right my dream is whoever trades for Deshaun Watson should sign Will Fuller if they have the money to be able to do so whoever trades for Deshaun Watson should sign Will Fuller that's probably just what it is though it's probably just a dream but Fuller at this point he's a plug and play wide receiver too when healthy and the health is really the biggest issue Um, But I like Will Fuller a lot when he is healthy, and I am more confident in him landing in a good spot than some of these other free agent receivers. Why? Because some of these other free agent receivers are guys that need a lot more volume. Will Fuller is somebody that produces off not much volume, so that's why I would be more comfortable with Will Fuller as a free agent than other people as a free agent, if that makes any sense to you. But anyways, Will Fuller, wide receiver 27. And then wide receiver 28 is Cooper Cup, 27.6. Probably got about five seasons left. He and Woods are both like always ranked right next to each other. They're going to be actually ranked right next to each other for me right here. And um, they're both stuck. Both of them are stuck in a bad situation. The Rams are married to Jared Goff, right? And whether they want to be in this marriage or or, or not, they are. And that really limits the potential of this offense and the opportunity for fantasy points for the wide receivers. Cooper Cup is also older than most people would think. Um, You know, I'm going to name some receivers. All right, we'll we'll play a little game real quick. I'm going to name some receivers and you tell me if you think Cooper Cup is older than them or not. All right, Tyreek Hill, yes or no? Yes, he is older than Tyreek Hill. Mike Evans, yes or no? Yes, he is older than Mike Evans. Amari Cooper, yes or no? Yes, he is older than Amari Cooper. Robert Woods, yes or no? No, he is not older than Robert Woods. Um, Kenny Galladay, yes or no? Yes, he's older than Kenny Galladay. DeAndre Hopkins, yes or no? That's a that's an interesting one, right? You think he's older than DeAndre? No, he's not. He's not. He he's getting. He's pretty close, close there though. And he's actually pretty much the same age as uh, Michael Thomas. Do what about Stephon Diggs? Yes or no? Yes, he's older than Stephon Diggs. So you're getting the point here, right? He's older than most people think, and it's because he came into the league at 23 years old. Most of these rookies are coming in at 21 something. He came in the league at 23. So that's 
part of the the problem for me. I mean, he he doesn't have as much time as you might initially think. He's twenty seven point six already, and he's only got what four seasons I think under his belt. So that's and that's pretty much the the problem with Woods too. Woods is twenty eight point eight. So like I said, I have them back to back. It's why I'm kind of talking about them together because they're in the same type of situation and whatnot. But yeah. Uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods coming at 28 and 29 for me. They have limited upside. And, you know, Cam Akers, if he becomes a stud, will help that offense. Yes, and maybe they can get somewhat of the magic back that they had when Todd Gurley was there and they were putting up, you know, 50-plus points on a Monday night versus the Chiefs in a shootout. But that that's unlikely to me. Jared Goff is not a quarterback that I trust and he's, he's really somebody that I think is kind of a, a product of Sean McVay. And I'm not just talking about recent gameplay because I know he's been injured. I'm just talking about what I've seen over the past two, three seasons. Um, I never really thought he was that great. So that's the, the worry for me on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And also, I mean, they're both there together. So they kind of hurt each other in that way. Um, because when the Rams aren't going crazy... With the passing game, it's hard for both of them to be producing. So they've both been pretty frustrating. Now let's move to wide receiver 30. It's Cortland Sutton, 25.3. So uh, the metrics I have for him, if you're looking at him, are from 2019. I will say his target rate was really good, 26.1%. But that was last year. That was without Jerry Judy, without KJ Hamler, without a more utilized Noah Fant. This offense has, like I was talking about with Judy, a crowded receiver room. But Judy speaks more to a high-volume target, in my opinion, than Sutton. And I think Judy is going to become the better receiver. And Sutton is going to be like the big go-get-it receiver, right, that they have on the outside. And he's also going to be used deep. He's kind of can be similar to Kenny Galladay in that way. And Sutton will see a severe target rate decline because of all the new pieces that he has yet to play with. And in fantasy, guys... Targets are king for the wide receiver position. Targets are king really for the running back position as well. Not absolutely king though because we still have our Derrick Henrys and Nick Chubbs. But for receivers, pretty much targets are king. And Sutton is not going to be pulling in crazy targets like he was. He's also 25 already. The Broncos, not that that's old, but I mean when we're you know comparing him to other younger guys, it's something to consider. And the Broncos could have a defense a good defense and a might still be run game oriented so the question at quarterback compounded with those things similar to Jerry Judy but I I think he's not going to be utilized nearly as much as Jerry Judy and I think Jerry Judy will be the wide receiver one there so that's why Sutton is at 30 for me now at 31 we have somebody who is the epitome of an all-in win now player Okay, I don't see him having elite seasons left except for next year. Maybe one more, but probably not. If your team is looking like a contender and this guy drops far enough, he is worth a pick. You guys probably have a good guess of who I'm talking about. We've already talked about, you know, some of the older good good receivers, right? But they're not nearly as old as this guy. This is the only guy really from his class of receivers that's left. It's Julio Jones. He's 32. He is the epitome of like, you know, an all-in win-now player, like I said earlier. And if you don't draft him, you can always trade for him if he's doing great and he's on a bad team, right? It's it's hard for me to rank a player like this because it's hard to value or gauge the value of 
What is one elite season from a wide receiver worth in Dynasty? If you're like, if you know Julio Jones 100% is going to be fully healthy and you're guaranteed a top 10 wide receiver season from Julio Jones, but for only one season and then he drops off like immensely, what is that worth to you? It's going to be worth a different amount to, to different people. So for me, I'm just thinking putting him head-to-head against the guys I've ranked so far and say, what, who, who would I take right here? Would I take Cortland Sutton or Julio Jones? Would I take Robert Woods or Julio Jones? Cooper Cup or Julio Jones? All of those guys I would take over Julio Jones. The people after this point, except for maybe the next person, I probably wouldn't take over Julio Jones. So that's why Julio Jones is here at 31 for me. Seasons left, one last ride. One last ride. And uh, he still got it, just so you guys know. 2.7 yards per route run, that was third best. 94.4% true catch rate, that was seventh best. So he still got it, but the, the decline is going to come, and it's going to come out of nowhere. So, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen this next season, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's after that. So when I'm on the clock, my, my gut is going to tell me, you know, do I want this one season from Julio? Do, do I look at my team and think I can win this year? Or do I go with a young guy? Now, the one guy that I have ranked behind him that I might take over him is Chase Claypool. 22.5. You guys know I am not a big Chase Claypool guy. I'm, I'm really not. His metrics, not good. Target rate, 38th, but you know his target rate was fine, 25.2%. Yards per route run, okay, that was pretty good, 1.99, 26th. I mean, he didn't break the two mark, so eh, okay. True catch rate, 82nd best. Separation, 99th, 1.15. That's really bad. uh, 103rd in contested catch rate. This is the problem. When you see guys with separation under 1.5, their contested catch is usually high. Their true catch rate is usually high, right? He's outside the top 100 in contested catch rate, and he's outside the top 80 in true catch rate. He is a guy who's not creating separation and does not have great hands. That's a problem. But with all that said, he does have the potential to develop into a star. If he, you know, fixes all these things, it's just a lot. And also we don't know where that offense is going. We already talked about the offense with Deontay Johnson, so I don't want to get into it too much. But Chase Claypool, I mean, the the problem for me is the perception. Everyone looks at this guy as a guaranteed young developing star. But no, I mean, that's not what I see. That's not what I see when I watch him. I was not high on him coming out of college. Then he ran fast at the combine and all of a sudden everyone's drooling. Everyone was drooling. He doesn't look that fast on the field. He's got some good straight line speed, but I mean, he's not quick. He's not twitchy. You know, he's not great at making people miss. So to me, it's it's like he is missing what what T Higgins has because they're both similar in the fact that they don't create a lot of separation, right? They're both similar and they have good straight line speed, but they're not super quick or twitchy. Neither of them are great at making people miss. But the difference is T Higgins has the like that throw me the ball and I'm gonna bring it down ability, and you know he also also has a quarterback who we trust in moving forward so that's also something missing for chase claypool so no thank you on chase claypool i will take lavisca chanel over him as you guys saw in that uh video on youtube and that puts chase claypool at my wide receiver 32 overall i think everyone just got swept up in the four touchdown game even though 
even though much of it was schemed or manufactured. Also, by the way, guys, if my voice is like, sounds raspy or whatever, obviously that's from yesterday, um, you know, because I was screaming, <laughs> screaming the whole time because go Bucks, baby. All right. Wide receiver 33, Jarvis Landry 28.2. I was actually surprised. I thought he might be a little bit older. It feels like Jarvis Landry's been in the league forever. Oh, by the way, Claypool, I think he's got about eight seasons left. Jarvis Landry's probably got about four. It's important to remember when you look at his target rate and yards per route that, you know, Odell was hurt this year. So those things would go down. But aside from that, whether or not Odell is back next year, Jarvis is probably going to be a good flex the rest of his prime years. And I, like I said, I think he's got about three or four. So he's got limited upside, but he's got a good floor. And that's why Jarvis is here for me. He's a guy I'm fine drafting. I, I am, especially in super, super deep leagues. He's the type of guy in leagues like that where you're starting four wide receivers or, you, you know, you're starting three receivers and there's three flexes. He's the type, excuse me, he's the type of guy in those leagues that guarantees you safe points guarantees you safe points and I love that he has missed this is insane he has missed at the wide receiver position one game in seven years he has been in the league for seven years he has missed one game he's averaged 90 receptions a year a thousand yards a year that is exceptional he may be less than that now less than that average because Cleveland's run heavy approach but he still puts up good numbers especially for where you can get him at right now right now in drafts so I like Jarvis Landry then wide receiver 34 we have Jalen Rager 22.1 nothing crazy in the metrics probably got about eight seasons left Rager is a wide receiver I believe in and I likened him to a tougher version of Tyler Lockett with a similar skill set I think he has a good future hopefully the Eagles can figure out their quarterback competition Um, the Eagles taking another wide receiver in this draft is definitely possible it might not hurt Rager as much as we would initially think Though, because when you're looking at that offense, they have Zach Ertz, right? They have Deshaun Jackson. They have Alshon Jeffrey. All of these guys are likely done or only have one more year. So the future there right now is Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard in the receiving game, you know, and Miles Sanders at running back. But Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard, they, they really do need another person because Travis Fulgham was like, you know, a, what is it? A flash in the pan. That's what it's called. That's basically what Fulcom was, and he, he doesn't seem like he's going to be like a good wide receiver too for them moving forward. So they're probably going to bring in a receiver, but that's fine because Rager, Goddard, and one other receiver, plenty to go around to feed those three people. And, um, you know, we'll, we still need to pay attention to what they do with coaching hires and stuff like that. I actually just saw something saying that I think they were interviewing Adam Gase. That would be a disaster. I, I really... Let me go on a tangent here for a second. How is Adam Gase getting all of these interviews? This is ridiculous. Eric Bieniemy needs to be a head coach somewhere. This is going to be the second year that this happens if Bieniemy doesn't get hired, which is just atrocious and like way too nice for Chiefs fans. Way too nice. Like Bieniemy should have gotten a head coach job last year. This year with how many openings? Are you joking? Bieniemy's like the number one candidate or number two candidate behind maybe Brian Dabble with the, with you know the development arc that he has produced for Josh Allen. But yeah, that that's just frustrating too. Like just watching Bieniemy not be hired. Uh, obviously he can't be hired yet cuz they're in the playoffs, but like it doesn't seem like anybody has you know like vocal agreements with him or anything and everyone's filling their spots. So that that's weird. It's weird and uh really annoying to me, especially when you guys or when we have a guy like Adam Gase getting 
interviews all over the place. But anyways, Jalen Rager is my wide receiver 34, and funny enough, the guy I liken him to is at 35, Tyler Lockett, 28.2, and he is the better wide receiver than DK Metcalf. I said it, that's right. Fight me in my DMs. Come in my mentions. I will show you why Tyler Lockett is better than DK Metcalf for the NFL, for the Seahawks right now. Not for the future, not for fantasy football. Tyler Lockett is not better than DK Metcalf in a redraft for fantasy football. No, obviously not for dynasty because of age. It's not what I'm saying. Tyler Lockett is the better wide receiver than DK Metcalf. Why? Tyler Lockett is top 10 in true catch rate. Ninth, 93.5%. That's way better than DK. He is sixth in separation, 2.17%. He is 19th in contested catch percentage, 60%. All of those things are higher than DK. So, yeah, Tyler Lockett's better. And DK has dropped, and this is something that can definitely improve, you know, next season as quick as that. But DK Metcalf dropped, like, five touchdowns this season. He dropped, like, by my counts, like, five touchdowns this season. He dropped, like, eight or nine third down conversions that would have continued drives and possibly led to touchdowns like he was making. And these were like open drops, not like contested catch drops. I, I don't really count those as drops unless it you know was like right in both hands and you just didn't finish the catch. But yeah, so DK Metcalf is not as good as Tyler Lockett or wasn't this year, but for fantasy, obviously he's better. Don't, don't take me as like trying to be hot takey, but Lockett's definitely the better receiver that helped them more. Henry Ruggs finishes us out at 36. So with Lockett, the thing for me, having him at 35 real quick, was he's probably got about three good seasons left. The problem for me is is just, is Seattle going to throw the ball or not? It, it doesn't seem like they want to. That's part of the reason why I'm a little lower on DK. Not because I, I, I am low on his talent. I think he will fix the drop problem, just like Mike Evans did, just like Amari Cooper did, just like a bunch of people do. Terrell Owens did. You know what I'm saying, right? You, you're picking up my drift, so... Henry Ruggs at 36, 22 years old. He's pretty young. He was number one, listen to this, number one in the NFL in separation. 2.31 yards of separation. Number one. He had a 13% target rate. That is outside the top 150 receivers. Henry Ruggs was targeted as the 197th most targeted wide receiver in the NFL, despite being number one in separation. That is atrocious. You guys drafted him. Raiders, you guys drafted him. Over every other receiver. I love Henry Ruggs. I love the talent that Henry Ruggs brings to the table. He is way more than people realize. He is not a deep threat. He is a well-rounded you know, not super like polished, but he's a well-rounded receiver that has a good amount of skills in his toolbox, a lot of tools in his tool set, because he can win 50-50 balls. He can, you know, make the tough catches and take hits over the middle. He can just be used as, you know, give him some screens, give him some slants, give him some outs to the sideline, give him some digs, give him, you know, just get the ball in his hands. Don't just send him deep all the time. That's such like a criminal misusage of his talent. Now, 
like with all this said, why do I have him this high, right? There's other rookies that I could have put here. I could have put Denzel Mims here. I could have put Darnell Mooney here. I could have put other non-rookies here. Like there, there's, I could have put Debo Samuel. Why am I putting Henry Ruggs here if that's the case? Well, one, he's super young. Two, I really believe in his talent. And three, this is, I'm not saying that this is what I think Henry Ruggs is going to become, but this is somewhat similar to Tyreek Hill in his rookie year. Tyreek Hill was not utilized much in the passing offense. Yeah, he was utilized a lot more in special teams than Henry Ruggs has been, but Tyreek Hill saw a massive jump. Once Andy Reid saw how good Tyreek Hill was, which is part of the problem for me with Henry Ruggs because like they already know he's good. That's why they took him as the number one receiver in the first round at whatever pick it was overall, like top 15. So I think it was 10 overall um, or 10, 11, or 12. It was one of those three. But that's part of the problem for me is that like they already know how talented, talented he is. But you know, as he shows it more on the field, I'm hoping that he can see a spike in usage like Tyreek did because um, Tyreek wasn't like you know, he didn't have the profile coming out of college that Henry Ruggs did in terms of perception and what he was regarded as. But I do believe that Ruggs can be used in a way that would make him very good for fantasy. Could he become a Marquise Brown? Yeah, that would be disappointing. Could he become like a miniature version of Tyreek Hill or a lesser version of Tyreek Hill where he's getting, you know, deep targets, but He's also getting used in many other ways, trying to get the ball in his hands, and he's getting, let's say, 120 targets on a season. That would be awesome. That would be great. But, you know, we'll have to see what happens there. But I'm going to, at this point, when we're this low in wide receiver rankings, with Jalen Rager at 34, Henry Ruggs at 36, these are guys that I still believe in my evaluation on in col- from college, and these are guys I'm willing to take shots at that, that could take a jump. All right, so that rounds out the, the top 36. Wow, top 36 dynasty wide receivers. Let's go through it from uh, eight from 19 from today's, what we went over today. That's Tyler Boyd at 19, Allen Robinson at 20, Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson, Kenny Galladay, DJ Chark, Jerry Judy at 25, Brandon Ayuk, Will Fuller, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Corlin Sutton, Julio Jones for one last ride, Jace Claypool, Jarvis Landry, Jalen Rager, Tyler Lockett, and at 36, Henry Ruggs. That wraps it up, guys. Thank you for listening. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm still undecided. I'm going to see if I can get somebody to join me. And if they say yes, then I then that will make the decision for me. But I'm going to... The next two podcast episodes are going to be Top 12 Dynasty Tight Ends and Dynasty Buy Lows and Sell Highs. I don't know which one I'm going to do first. I'm going to try to do buy lows, sell highs on Friday, so that's what you should be expecting, but it's possible that I'm not able to get the person I want to come on with me if they're busy or whatnot. Um, I haven't touched, like, retouched base with them. I did a while ago, but, you know, not recently, um, so I'll do that, but yeah, if they're not able to come on, then I'll save that for next week on Tuesday, and then we'll just do Dynasty Tight Ends on Friday, but those are the next two episodes, guys. Thank you for listening. Tuning in to Deep Dive Fantasy Football, please uh, subscribe to the YouTube. I still have a lot more listeners here, like way more listeners on the podcast than I do on the YouTube. So do me a favor, go subscribe to the YouTube. It's Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I mean, honestly, I'm of course I want you to watch the content. You know, I'm really trying to help all of us here with the content, and I think it would help you if you listen to it. But even if you don't want to, just hit the subscribe and like turn notifications off. It just helps me just having the the subscription number. It helps me grow. So um, 
yeah, thanks for everything, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Leave a review if you haven't or drop a rating or whatever if you haven't already on Apple. And uh, hope you guys have a good one. And please, if your team is out of the playoffs, do me a solid root for my bucks. We need the positive vibes. Going to Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers and that team, they have the motivation that the Bucks had. The Bucks had the motivation versus the Saints, right? That was part of the reason I loved the Bucks this week versus the Saints because pff, you ain't beating us 3-0. Get out of here. We usually split. You, you guys swept us. We ain't, We are not going out like that to the Saints. So now it's the other side of the coin. We demolished Green Bay 38-10. to It was their worst loss of the year. And now they have the whiteboard material. So I'm hoping... I'm I'm hoping that Devin White and Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis and everyone is able to just lock up and you know be able to hold down that offense enough that our offense can match them. I think our offense definitely our offense definitely can has the potential. We'll see what happens. I'm not trying to drop a prediction yet. I'll do that on uh, Friday's episode. But last thing I will say is hmm, I actually forgot. Well. I had something else to say, but have a good one, guys. Hopefully the Bucks can pull this out versus Aaron Rodgers in the frozen tundra. All right, guys. Peace. I remember, I remember. Vita Vea might be back. Let's go! Woo! All right, I'll leave you alone now. Peace.